So today, the title of, of the message today is, Who Are You? And we're going to ask you that question when you come up, if you are dressed in a costume today, who are you? Who are you supposed to be? But let's just ask that question. If somebody comes up to you and they, they ask you that question, they say, who are you? How are you going to answer that question? You might give your name. Okay. I'm Daryl or I'm Pastor Daryl. Or you might, uh, you might give uh, the, the job you do. I'm a teacher. I'm an administrator. Um, or you might give uh, something that uh, goes to the relationship you have. I'm Mrs. Craig Wilson. That's her online. Okay. Uh, I'm Mr. Rachel Wilson. That would be, you know, right? No, that's not the way it works, is it? The point is, we find ways to discover who we are. And there are, if you look in your bulletin, you'll see how we start here. There are three mirrors that you look in from the time you're these kids' age that help you discover or decide who you are, okay? The first mirror that you look at is your parents, okay? From the time you're this little baby's age right here and you start being able to see clearly enough to see your mom and dad's face, your parents are telling you, whether they're saying it in you know, uh, words that you understand or they're saying it in their smiles, they're telling you who you are. Now, I will say this, from the time I was young, my mom always said, Daryl, you're smart. You're very smart. And in second grade, she took me to, we were having lots of uh, issues, and so she might have done this because of this. My dad was an alcoholic, and he was causing problems, and so she took me to a child psychologist when I was uh, in second grade, and I took an IQ test, and I scored really, really high on this IQ test. But, you know, I didn't know what that was, and the psychologist could have said something about that. It was my mom telling me that I was smart, that really, that just, I locked onto that, and my whole life, uh, even when I've been lazy in school and my grades haven't been that good, I've always thought, no, I'm smart. I can do this. So your parents tell you who you are. And not everyone has traditional parents. Some people are raised by their grandparents. Um, some people may be raised by other caregivers, by foster parents. Uh, they might be raised by aunts and uncles. But whoever it is that is in your life that's looking at you and helping you to grow up, that's one mirror that you look at to try to discover or determine who you are, your parents, right? Now, when you get older, and this really starts in elementary school, you know, the kids that we have in here, I got my fifth grader over here. That's my new name for Jubilee. She's the fifth grader. Your peers start telling you who you are, right? Now, kids, that, that's not a word that you would use that often. Do you know what the word peers means? Yeah, people around you, but they're people that, that are your age, right? The people, your classmates, I could say. Your peers start telling you who you are. So this is where it got sad for me. I get to school and there are all these other kids that are popular. And for some reason, I was just under the impression that I was just not popular. And so I always got that in my head. I'm just not popular. And I think part of that was when I was growing up again, uh, my dad was an alcoholic and there were problems at home. And I just, I don't know, I just kind of wasn't really kind of out there. I wasn't, 
I wasn't uh, trying to make friends, I guess you could say. I kind of wanted people to come to me and like me rather than me looking at them and saying, hey, I like you because everybody's kind of like that. You want other people to like you and you assume if they don't look at you and smile and like you, then there's something wrong. But see, they might be waiting just like you're waiting for that smile, but you're not giving it because you're waiting for them to smile at you, right? And they're not giving you the smile because they're waiting for you to smile at them. Why not just smile at them? But you can come into these, these, you can have these ideas from your peers and they might be ideas that are true or they might be ideas that are untrue. Your peers start looking at you and they start telling you who you are and that might be something good or it might not be something good. Now, if you are a kid or an adult or a young adult that has a certain skill, a certain ability, then that causes people to pay attention to you. It, it's, it's easier for you if you're a, a boy, for instance, and you're a good athlete. Or if you're, you know, uh, you're a girl and you, you know, are, uh, you're really a really good singer, let's say. Now, that's not to say that girls can't be good athletes. They can. Or boys can't be singers. They can. I'm just picking that out of the air. And by the way, kids, as I'm passing by, don't get locked into this idea that just because you're a girl or just because you're a boy, there are only certain things that you can like, okay? Now, um, there are plenty of kids and, and teenagers that get confused about this. If you're a boy, you don't have to like blue. Did you know that? How many of you are boys? Raise your hand. Now keep your hand up if you like blue. You don't have to like blue. If you're a girl, you don't have to like pink. You really don't. In fact, it's shocking, but believe it or not, a boy could like pink. And it doesn't mean the boy's a girl. That's just silly, all right? Um, okay, when I was growing up, girls liked to play with dolls. Girls used to like to play with dolls? Okay, and boys like to play with trucks. But you know what? There's nothing that says if you're a boy, you couldn't play with a doll. In fact, GI Joes are dolls, by the way. <laughs> just so you'll know, all right? And there's nothing to say if you're a girl, you can't like, I used to like these little cars. They were called Hot Wheels. I had this really cool, it was like, it looked like a tire and you opened it up and it had all these compartments. And in these compartments, you could put your cool little cars that you like. And so I had all these different cars. Some of them were like, you know, regular cars that you would go and buy. And some of them were, you know, crazy outlandish cars and so forth. But I loved those. They were so cool, Hot Wheels. And so a lot of boys like those. But you know what? There's nothing that says if you're a girl, you couldn't like Hot Wheels. And people get all confused, right? See, a girl grows up to be a woman and she lets Jesus come into her heart and she becomes a woman of God. Amen? Yeah. A boy grows up to be a man and he lets Jesus in his heart and becomes a man of God. Amen? Yeah. That's the big difference. So let's not get all worried about that. So let's go back to that. Sometimes your peers start telling you what you what you are, right, or who you are. Um, I remember when I was in high school, there was, I took the guitar class and uh, we had people in the guitar class that were really good at playing guitar and then we had people like me that weren't so good at playing guitar. But I learned to play Stairway to Heaven, Dean. And I could probably still play it in a really, really terrible way. I even tried to learn to play the lead to start with it. But we had a guy in my guitar class who already knew how to play guitar really well. His name was Pete Nilo Petrovich. Yes, I did learn his long last name. 
and he had like this bushy, long red hair. And we were playing classical guitars, okay? Nylon strings, big fat fretboards. They're not designed to play rock and roll. But my man, Pete Nila Petrovich, could play, and it's like a classical guitar. So our whole class, the reason that I know how to play Stairway to Heaven is because our whole class learned how to play Stairway to Heaven. Now, I just want you to imagine this. We had a recital with all of the guitar classes, like all of them. There was like four guitar classes. So we're all sitting in this room with all of the parents watching, and we are all together playing Stairway to Heaven. Like 125 kids all playing Stairway to Heaven on classical. It probably sounded really horrible. But Pete Nilo Petrovich, guess what? That's right. We were all playing the three chords that you're playing. Pete Nilo Petrovich got to play the lead. So see, that's what he got known as uh, through his skill and, you know, when people interacted with him, that's what they knew him as. I had other friends in school or people that I knew in school who were really good athletes. And they were known for that. They got defined by that, not just because they could do that, but because that's, that's how their peers looked at them. But see, the reality is there's something more and other about you than what you do, what your skill is, okay? There's something more to you than that. Okay, so two mirrors. Your parents, you look to them, and they give you an idea of who you are. That's a mirror, right? Your peers, you look at them. And sometimes, especially when uh, we get to be teenagers, we're, we're too concerned about what our peers think, and we allow our peers to define us. That might be a healthy and good thing, or it might be a very, very unhealthy thing, or it might not be entirely good or bad. It's just inaccurate. They've just framed us in a certain way and that's what we think we are so your parents your peers and the third one <clears throat> if you're following along and a lot of you are not because you're not writing um your third one is your preferences parents peers preferences preferences just means what do you like so if i meet a kid a lot of times i'll ask well what do you like what kind of food do you like what's your favorite food right or i might ask what's your favorite color or I might start off like I just did here. Instead of saying, what animal would you be? I would say, well, what's your favorite animal? So I'm just trying to get them to talk back to me, you know, and, uh, and tell me a little bit about themselves by telling me what they like. So we often start defining ourselves by what we like or what we don't like. Well, I'm not that type of person. I don't like that. So I had uh, an old friend. It's not somebody that I really hang out with a lot, but... Uh, you know, I know a lot of people in the Garland area. I've been here since 92. And this family got involved in ministry at the church that I was at before I was privileged to start this church uh, when I first came. And uh, his name is Terry. And he had two tickets to the Baylor game yesterday. Well, Baylor was playing Texas. And you know who won, don't you? That's right, Sikkim Bears. And you know what all the, all the Baylor people were doing in the Baylor Stadium? They were doing this down with Texas, all right? Well, Terry is a Texas fan, like many people from that church. The difference is many of those folks are just Texas fans because they live in Texas, which I understand. When I lived in Arizona, there were a lot of people that were ASU fans, even though they didn't go to ASU. It just represents your state. And I get it, it's cool, right? I don't have anything against Texas until they play Baylor. And then I want them to lose. 
And, but Terry went to UT. He went to, he went to uh, Texas. And uh, he said, you know, he sent me a text and said, hey, I, I have an extra ticket here. And uh, do you want to go to the game? So I wanted to know what time it was and where it was. Because if it was like 5 o'clock at night in Austin, no, not going. But it was 11 o'clock in the morning and it was at my home stadium, right? It was in Waco. And so that was awesome. So he drove. He just came and picked me up here and drove. And so, man, it was an awesome game. Well, some people, their identity is their college, right? No. Their identity is their, their, you know, the college that they went to or their identity is their team. And that might be UT. There are a lot of UT fans, a lot of Texas fans. That's, that's really part of their identity. All right. Um, and, uh, you know, your, your identity could be, uh, you know, you're a Cowboys fan. you got a star on everything. Now, I'm not saying that all of these things are wrong in any way. I'm just saying that that's very, very shallow. That's like wearing a mask. Okay. You are something more and other than that mask you're wearing, right? We all wear a mask. We really do. Right. Even though you're not wearing a mask right now, you're really wearing a mask every time you walk outside of your house. That's what the term personality comes from. It's a Greek word that means to speak through a mask. It, it reminds us of the old uh, Greek plays. Uh, there were two types of plays uh, in uh, theater history, theatrical history that started with the Greeks. There was the tragedy. And you've seen that mask with the big frowny face. Right. Whoa. And then there's the comedy, and you've seen that, you know, with the big smile on the face. And in Greek drama, they actually wore those masks, and they spoke through the mask. And this idea of personality is that you're speaking through a mask. You learn to put on a mask. Now, here's what we want to do, friends. We want the mask that we wear, because you have to wear one in public. You can't just let everybody know what you feel. Those of you that do probably don't have a lot of friends. Right. If I just let everybody know how I felt all the time, people would be like, you're a pastor. I'm a real person also. But we learn to put on a mask and we learn to get along with other people. But what we need to do is we need to put on an accurate mask that is going to screen out some of the things that we're fighting and dealing with in our mind and in our heart, but is going to present us as who we really are. Now, I have always admired comedians quite a bit. I, I would love it if I could make people laugh more, like Pastor Craig can get up here and just keep you guys laughing. I crack jokes and you just stare at me like I'm a ward on a witch's nose with a couple of hairs growing out of it. Like, why does he even try? Just hurry up with the sermon, Pastor. But I admire comedians. But you know, we've encountered in the last decade or so, uh, a number of these folks, most prominently uh, one that I will mention, that committed suicide. And you think, well, comedians should be the happiest people in the world, right? And of course, you're all thinking the same name that I'm thinking. We were all shocked when Robin Williams took his life. Because every time that guy got on stage, he had the audience in the palm of his hand. He could make everybody laugh. He could just and just improvise. He didn't have a script that he wrote up. He just improvised and just rolled with it. And his, you know, when he was on stage and he was doing stuff, his, his comedy, his approach wasn't mean. I see some comedians and they make people laugh, but they're just really kind of mean about what they're saying, right? And I'm not going to bring anybody up because I don't want to get into any controversies here. Um, but 
You know, I've watched some comedians and I'm like, well, A, you're really dirty, so that's causing me to want to turn you off. And B, you're just really being mean, right? You're, you're, you're tearing people down. And sadly, that's what a lot of people laugh at. A lot of people laugh at jokes that are made at another person's expense. And I think that that's kind of sad, right? But the reason I mention this in a sermon about who are you is that these comedians are really, really good at wearing a mask. None of us knew the difficulties that Robin Williams was facing. In fact, we still don't. There's probably been a lot of speculation and it would probably not be entirely accurate because he kept his personal life, his private life, very, very buried. We don't know, right? So let me introduce you to the Christian understanding of who you are. What you find is that God has created every single human being. If you're a human being, raise your hand. Yes, you're a human being, good then you've been created in God's image. In Latin, that is in the imago dei. So if we go all the way back to Genesis, that's what it says. God spoke everything else into existence. But in Genesis 2-7, he took careful time to craft the human being. And then this is the only being that he created that he animated by breathing into its body, right? So the scripture says in Genesis 2, 7, well, let's go back. Genesis 1, 27, it says, in the beginning, God created man, humankind, in his image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. Oh, that's you. If you're a male, you were created in God's image. If you're a female, you were created in God's image. Jesus affirmed this. Jesus said, have you not heard that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? So you have been created from the beginning, from the time you were born. In fact, from before the time you were born, you have been created as a boy or as a girl who will turn into as a boy into a man, as a girl into a woman. And you have been created in God's own image. That makes us different than the animals. So although it's fun to pretend, right? And, you know, uh, if I would have thought about this further, for, far enough in advance, I would have gotten a lion costume and put it on up here for you guys. Or at least some sort of a mane or something so that you would have something to look at, okay? But, you know, I, I think it's great. You know, I think of the qualities that we associate with a lion, like courage. In fact, Interestingly, the Hebrew word for courage is, is associated with the lion. It's uh, associated with the word Ariel, which means lion of God. That's courage. So I like that, right? But that doesn't mean I think I'm a lion, okay? I am something much, much better, much, much greater than the king of the jungle. See, my father is the king of kings, amen? My father is the one that created the lion and created the bear, and created the wolf, and created every single human being in this room, and you are created in his image. And that is where you need to get your identity, not from other people. And we still do that when we're adults. We still look to our peers, or we look to pop culture. There's another P that you can put down if you want. I didn't put that there, popular culture. So they played a lot of music at the Baylor game. They had this giant sound system and this big video screen and they kept pumping all this 
you know, different music, and uh, you know, a lot of it had heavy bass behind it. And at one point, uh, they came up with this song uh, by an artist named Ariana. I'm assuming is that Ariana Grande, probably. You know, she's singing. I know that probably doesn't sound anything like her. But suddenly, like we had all the cheerleaders down there and there's like different, like there's like three different banks of cheerleaders that come and, you know, do their thing. And like they all of a sudden, they just came to life. They were doing their little thing down there because they were like, I'm like Ariana Grande. Well, you know. Who brings you to light? And when you look at that person in popular culture, right? Maybe, you know, if you're a guy, maybe it's a, you know, it's a UFC fighter or something. Yeah. Destroy him. Okay. (laughs) Whatever it is. But popular culture has a very, very powerful pull on people. We see this in the way we dress. You, You dress the way you do because you're presenting an image to everybody. Now, we all think we are unique and we are creative and we're individuals. And yes, we are. I've just told you you're made in God's image. But a lot of times what we're accessing when it concerns what we present to everybody just comes from popular culture somewhere. Right now, not everybody's like that. I'm not saying it's just another influence and another mirror that people look in. But man, young people, especially you young teenagers, It is such a powerful, powerful influence. And sometimes these aren't even popular uh, celebrities, I would say, that I'm even aware of. Like some of you came dressed up this morning and I had to ask you who you are. And I wasn't just saying that because, you know, I was being kind and friendly and whatever. No, I literally don't know who you are because I don't know these characters that y'all are. But I mean, there are people now today, there are people on YouTube and there are people on TikTok that are, they're celebrities in their own right. And you may be watching that and it may be influential and you may see that and say, oh, that's what I want to be like. And so you start conforming to that. All right. But back up. The Christian answer to this is you are made in the image of God. And that image we find has been disturbed, distorted, bent, broken by sin, by the fall, by rebellion against God, by unbelief. Right. Well, you know, I believe in God, but I really don't love God. I really don't follow God. I mean, if I'm honest, I'm just, I'm the captain of my ship. I do my own thing. I've got my own personality and my own. Well, that's fine. But see, you don't really know who you are like you think you do. In fact, the only time you see yourself is when you look in a mirror. You realize that? So without bringing up your phone, I want you to look at your face right now. No, you can't do it. I got a phone and I, you know, hit the the little thing where the camera is facing me. And then I have an idea of what my face looks like. But, you know, as I said, when I said your parents and your peers, these people are 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 giving you a reflection there. It's coming back to you. And that's helping you to understand things about yourself or at least how you're presenting yourself or how they think you look. The preferences idea that's coming from within you. That's how you're trying to identify yourself uh, as an individual. You're trying to define yourself. But in the end, if I'm going to discover who I am, I need to look to the Lord God who made me. And what he has done is sent his son, Jesus, 
who is the image of the invisible God, the exact representation of God's nature. And you want to hear something? It says, and when he appears, that's when Jesus returns. We shall be like him. Who is we? Those who believe in Jesus, those who have Christ in their hearts. When he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, I've talked a little longer than I was going to. But I'm going to conclude here and I'm going to say something that I think is very important. When you die, and you will, unless Jesus returns first, the only parts of you that will survive the grave are the parts of you that are like the Son of God. All this other stuff that you're cobbling together won't survive the grave. It's just going to die. The only thing that's going to survive the grave to live eternally with God is that part of you or those parts of you that are like the Son of God. You see, God's entire goal in this life is to make you like His Son, Jesus. When you come to Jesus and you admit that you're a sinner and you've fallen short of God's expectations for a human being and you ask for him to forgive you and come into your life, what he does is he comes in and he restores God's image in you and the rest of your life you are on this journey of becoming more like Jesus. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that's what he's trying to do with you, male and female image of God, conforming you to the image of his son. And then you're going to die and all this other stuff that you've built is going to be gone. Everything else that you've built. Whatever that, that, that self-image that you have, whatever that kingdom that you've built in your life, it's all going to be gone. But you know what will survive? If you have a relationship with Jesus, if you have Christ living in you, then that will survive the grave forever to live in the presence of God for eternity. So here's my question. Why are we wasting so much time chasing dust? Right? At the very best, even if what we're chasing is not sin, we're chasing a bunch of stuff that's just going away. I need to realize that I need to become more like Jesus. Man, get into that Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, and see what that means. What it means to follow Jesus. What it means to be a, a person that is in the image of Christ and following Jesus. That's what I need to do, right? So I was going to read this longer passage, and I'm going to commend it to you. So you can write it down in your bulletin and read it later. But it's Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you read that later. But I'm going to give you a, a, an even quicker summary of what's found in that that is in Romans 13, 14. And it says, Now put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for sin. You know what that means? It means I put on my Christian identity. I put on Jesus. I put on the Jesus mask. Now, it's not a fake mask. As I said, you, you present a personality to people out in the world. I'm going to put this Jesus mask on and I'm going to be a devoted, dedicated, real follower of Jesus everywhere I go. Not a follower of some pop singer, not a follower of some TikTok or, or YouTube celebrity, not a follower of some political figure, a follower of Jesus. 
And you're going to filter that through your unique personality. Because here's the beauty of this. Every one of us, every human being on earth, you're coming up on set, 8 billion people now, can be just like Jesus if they would choose to let him come into their life. And we would still be unique from each other. That's how big Jesus is. That's how grand he is. We can all be like Jesus. And what's go what we're going to find out is that we're all just individual parts in the body of Christ. You have literally billions, even trillions of cells that make up your body. Right? And if you're a male, every single one of those cells is coded with two chromosomes, an X and a Y chromosome. Doesn't matter what you do, the exterior of your body, every single cell in your body has an X and a Y chromosome. If you're a female, every single cell in your body is an X and an X chromosome. Every single one. Billions, trillions of chromosomes. Billions of cells, right? Let's go back to the example of being a Christian. You're one of those cells in the body of Christ, amen? Some of you are amazing servants. We saw it last week at the fall festival. So you're kind of like a cell and a hand, so to speak. Some of us are talkers, right? Here I am up here teaching you and talking. So maybe I'm like a cell in the mouth or something or in the tongue. I don't know that I like that, but okay, right? You know, you think of it that way. We can all be like Jesus and we're not gonna just be exactly like each other. And that's what we should be seeking. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on that Jesus mask and don't make any provision for the flesh. You see, you still have a part of you that is fallen that is going to want to drag you down to the earth and keep you seeking the things down here. In Colossians, it says, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Keep seeking the things that are above and not the things that are below. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Keep seeking the things that are... The way you're going to become the real you is to become more like Jesus. Believe it or not. Stop. As, as amazing as some of your parents are, you don't want to rely on what your parents said about you to determine who you are on the inside. You, I'm not telling you not to listen to your parents' kids. That's not what I'm saying. But they don't know everything about you. They know more about you than you do, but they don't know everything about you. You can't rely on your peers. I can tell you that. Stop letting other kids tell you who you are. You can't, ever, you can't even rely on your preferences. But what I can rely on is an all-powerful God who created me in his image. And I can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can walk in his shadow day in and day out, becoming more like him. Last verse I'm going to quote before I conclude. And this is uh, an admonition to you. As you put on the Lord Jesus Christ, what do you need to be doing? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may test and approve what the will of God is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You need to put off all of this pressure to conform you to be like a pop superstar or, you know, even some other figure that you're looking to be like. Put all of that off. Let all this pressure go somewhere else and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Part of that, I hope, has happened this morning as I've, as I've reminded you of this truth that you're made in the image of God or if I have brought that to your attention for the first time that you can recall, right? But nonetheless, that's my Halloween message. Who are you? Be 
a little Christ. What does the term Christian mean? It means little Christ. Be Jesus, because you are the arms and the feet and the eyes and the mouth of Jesus on earth. We are the body of Christ. Let's be that and not something else.